worship. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. Build an atmosphere right there, right where you are. Make an atmosphere right there where you are. Come on, Lord, we worship, we worship, we worship, we worship. Come on. saying so forget about yourself and concentrate on him and worship him we've come into his house we've come into this day to lift up holy hands and to worship him <laughs> oh god i can hear sister love singing that right now mary not the bible baptist church we we have house and we have come in his name to worship to worship Jesus Christ oh Lord let's just sing that for a little bit and we're going to get to the word Ooh. 
Come on, praise him. Help me sing. We've come into his house. Yes, to magnify.
experience hope at home, hope will everywhere. Do me a favor. I know Minister Ford encouraged you at the beginning of our live to share this tag people in it. But let me encourage you once again. Go ahead and share this. Go ahead. I believe God is up to something. And that we're about to see God do something amazing in your midst. Even at your home. Even in your bedroom. I know you still got your robe on. Praise the Lord. But God's going to do something for you today. Um, even in your robe. Go ahead and share this. Go ahead and tag people in the Hopewell experience. Hope at home. Once again, thank you for allowing us. Um, inviting us into your space um, to give to hear the word of the Lord. Go with me to the Old Testament prophet Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Just a few verses I want to read for, for you. I'm going to go between. You may hear the language change, but it's still the word. I'm going to go between the New Living Translation and the Old King James Version. Hallelujah. Every now and then, you got to go back to the Old King James Version. Amen. This, thou, and get to stuttering as you're trying to read the word. Amen. Got to go back. Amen. Amen. But I'm going to read first from the New Living Translation and the reference. Uh, reference. Um, the New li- the, the Reference. Um, the King James Version. It reads as this. In the year King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty were mighty seraphim, each having six wings, with two wings that covered their faces, with two that covered their feet, with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, I love this, holy, holy, holy. Is the Lord's it is the Lord of heaven's army. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Look what happened. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke, was filled with the glory of God. Then I said, It's over. I'm doomed. For I am a sinful man. The King James Version, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live amongst a people with filthy lips. In fact, my company, not only am I messed up, but the company that I, that I kick it with, they're messed up as well. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's army. Look at verse 8. Go with me, drop down to verse 8. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I like Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to his people. I want to preach this morning from the topic, um, woke worshiper, woke worshiper, a woke worshiper, woke worshiper, a woke worshiper, a woke worshiper. I believe every now and then that you're going to have something that's going to be a defining moment in your relationship, whether you're married, whether you got a boo, whether you got a babe, whether it's just a friendship, there's going to come a time in your relationship where there's going to be a defining moment. And that that defining moment is going to ask the question, how much do I really mean to you? Do I really mean to you? Uh, do, 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 do I really mean to you the same? Do, 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 do I mean to you the same way that I meant to you in the very beginning when we first started in this relationship? What's really my place in your life? Do you really value me? Do you love me like you used to? Are you still willing to do what you did in the beginning of the relationship? Are you still willing to continue in doing that? Now that defining moment came to me. Came to me. I think I've shared this story. 
story before, but it's so relevant to this, I'm going to share it again. Uh, the, the very first Valentine's Day, Sister Swims and I had, we weren't married yet, amen, so we had to keep it PG, praise the Lord. We weren't married yet, so we had to do things in decency and in order, praise the Lord. So our very first Valentine's Day, I got creative, and I led her on a scavenger hunt every day, leading up until Valentine's Day. She received a letter in the mail from me, a card in the mail from me, just acknowledging something about her that I love. The day before Valentine's Day, I led her around. She went to different stores. She went to her favorite store, and there at the store, there was already a dress picked out with the jury to go along with it, and it was already paid for. All she had to do is just get it. That's all she had to do. We weren't going nowhere that night, praise the Lord, but all she had to do is just get the dress. Everything had already been taken care of. I mean, she was texting her friends. She was bragging about me to all her friends. They were going to their boyfriends and their husbands and say, hey, do you see what Chris is doing? We've been together umpteen years. You've never done anything like this to me. I was the hero in all of her friends' eyes. They were measuring their booze all the way up to me. I walked around with my chest poked out. I was all excited. And then we got married. And then the very first Valentine's Day as a married couple, I had built up the anticipation of what was of what she had already experienced before in the past. And she just knew that I was going to blow it off the roof now that we are husband and wife. But to her amazement, what I did in the beginning, I didn't do it this first year of our marriage. Now, please understand, I did get her a gift, but it was not in the same format. It was not in the same presentation that I had did the year prior to that. I had set the standard high. I had set the bar high. I had set her expectations to a place that I had to top what I did before. And so I realized that when I gave her the lift, I gave her the gift. I said, wait a minute, your response is not the same response like it was last year. I was expecting something even greater. I was expecting for you to be jumping and, and jumping for joy and texting your friends and FaceTiming your friends once again. What happened? What happened? What happened? She said, no, nah, that's cool. I said, no, no, no. Just a response right there saying, no, nah, that's cool. I know something is not right. I know you. We've been together for a long time. I know you. I know your language. I know what you say. Even when you say it, it ain't really a problem. I know it is a problem because of certain words that you use. And so she began to explain. She said, well, she said, well it's just the fact that you raised the standard so and the expectation I was expecting you to outdo yourself the way that you did before. And it caused her the it caused her it caused her to ask a question. I need you to do then to do it now. And not just do it now, but I need you to keep this up and to do this all the time. The same what it took for you to get me, I need you to do that same thing. Not just to keep me. I'm not going to leave you, but I need you to do that. I need you to continue to do that on a regular basis because it lets me know that no matter how long we've been together, your love for me has not died out. It, it doesn't matter how long we've been together that you still prioritize me. You still love me. You still think I'm the finest woman in the world. I I need you to do what you did in the beginning of the relationship for that to continue for the duration of the relationship. So I believe that now the church, the body of Christ right now is in a defining moment in their relationship with God. March the 15th, 2020, 10 a.m. was the last Sunday that we gathered together assembled together as the saints of God right. in worship. 
Now, the plan was plan. The plan, hey, we're going to go live on the next two Sundays. April, we're going to be back in the building. Email goes out the first Monday in April. Building is going to be, continue to be closed for the month of April. We made plans. We're going to go back into the building in May. Email goes out the first Monday in May. The building is going to continue to be closed. We say, hey, we're going to be back. God, certainly God's going to allow for this to pass over so that we can gather in his house on a resurrection Sunday morning. First Sunday in April comes. First Monday in April comes. An email goes out and we're still not back in the building. It's a defining moment in the body of Christ right now. And the reason why it's a, it's a defining moment because now we're going to be challenged to express and to answer the question, how much do I really love God? Right. All right. Teach. What is the value of God in my life? Because I know it, I know it, I know it. Listen, I, please, please don't hear what I'm not saying. I cannot wait until it is safe for us to be in the house of the Lord again. I take it for granted just the ability to be able to walk over here and walk over there and just walk around, walk down front, walk on the pews. I'm walking the pews when we get back in the building just because I can. Hallelujah. I take it for granted little small things like that. Hugging people, telling to your neighbor, turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor everything is going to be all right when we come back i have to literally tell them text your neighbor and say neighbor everything is going to be okay i've taken for granted those moments and i cannot wait for us to be able to get back together together and assemble together to be able to worship to be able to hear the sound of praise in the atmosphere to be able to serve the mother's communion to be able to hug and check in to see how your day was but until then until then because the doors are 400 East Main Street and most churches now in the U.S. have closed their doors to gathering in large groups. It does not mean that, I, that I'm now at the place that I, could, that I should close my mouth and worship in God until we get back in the building. No, it's a defining moment for us to realize right now, how much do you really love God? You surely loved him when you were in the building because we saw you running, we saw you dancing, we saw you clapping. I mean, we couldn't sit you down, but now that we're not gathered in the building, you ain't said a mumbling word. You ain't said nothing. You ain't said nothing. You ain't said nothing. Could it be? Could it be? I'm, I'm so scared. I'm so nervous to ask this question because I'm afraid of what the response could be. I'm afraid of what the response will be. Could it be that we are married to the building? And we have no relationship with him. Could it be that your level of praise, your, your level of worship, your level of expectation is only, is only, is only set for Sundays at 10 a.m.? That's if you come to church and if you're on time. Who is your relationship based on the fact? That whether there's no building or not, God is yet still good. That whether I'm able to get together, high five my neighbor, sit by my bed, sit by my BFF, that it does not matter what the outer circumstances may be. That, but just the fact that God has woke me up another day, I know we take that for granted, but that he's woke me up another day, that I'm yet still in my right mind, that I have not contracted the virus, that nobody in my family has gotten it, that I'm yet still alive in the land and the living, and because of that, I owe God a praise. I owe God a hallelujah. I owe God a thank you, Jesus. Whether I'm in a building, whether I'm in my home, whether I'm in a bathroom, whether I'm in a car, whether I'm in my robe, whether I got my do-rag on on my bunny, he's still what? 
this is a divided moment for us in our personal relationship. Don't take me there just yet. We're going to get there. Don't take me just yet, though. This is a defining moment in our walk and in our relationship with Christ. Am I married to the building? Or am I in a real, real, real relationship? with Jesus Christ. I love this story. I love this powerful story that the prophet Isaiah shares. He says, hey, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. I like what the King James Version says. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. I also saw the Lord. I love it. I'm going to get back to that in just a moment because that's so powerful right there and just that and just that little change of words. It means so much right there in the King James Version. King Uzziah, good king, wasn't perfect. Had some pride issues, had some arrogant issues. Second Chronicles records um, that, that, that when he had became so successful, he, he thought a little bit too much of himself. That he went into the temple to be able to burn incense, and, and the priest in the temple stopped him and said, Hey, 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 King, I know, I know, I know you're the ruler. I know, I know, I know you in charge. I know you live in large and in charge. I know all that this is in your dominion, but yet still, this is not your responsibility. The priests have been consecrated to do this service. The priests have been consecrated to perform this act of worship unto God. This is not your area of ministry. In other words, stay in your lane, lane, King. This ain't your lane to come and burn the incense. This is what the priest is for. And, and, and even though they tried to encourage him to leave and to not and to not burn the incense, Isaiah, in his arrogance, in his proudness, he goes forth and he does it anyway. And right there before his eyes, the Bible says, God struck him with leprosy and the priest rushed him out of the temple. Uh, because they realize, ooh, God is mad at you. He just struck you in front of all of us in, in your kingship. He done struck you with leprosy right there in front of us. And as soon as, as it happened, the Bible records that Isaiah knew that he was out of the will of God, that he had walked in his own will and did what he wanted to do and not did the will of God. Ooh, that's so scary right there. Since the God, you don't have to be a king to walk in your own will. You can just get a little bit of success under you. You got 10 likes now on Facebook and you think you're the bomb. Hallelujah. Five folks have shared your life and you think you're ready to be an evangelist. And right then, God will strike you. God will catch you and let you know, wait a minute, before you get too haughty and think more of yourself than what you should, let me reel you on back in. Because <laughs> you don't got the big head to figure out, I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that put you here. I'm the one that created you and made you. I'm the one that gave you the strategy. I'm the one that gave you the plan. I'm the one that's been working on your behalf. I'm the one that took the look that you had. If truth be told, you would not have graduated from pre-K if it hadn't been for me. You wouldn't have made it through high school if it hadn't been for me. I'm the one that made ways for you in college, so I can't allow you to get here and think that it's all been on you. God strikes them. With leprosy, embarrassing, 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 not just to be able to have leprosy, but to be struck with leprosy in front of those that serve you. Ooh, he's the king. He's the ruler. But God lets him know, I don't care what your title is. I don't care what your position is. When you walk out of my will and do what you want to do, you are bad enough to go into the temple and burn the incense when you knew that was not your job. I'm God enough to be able to strike you right where you are and give you leprosy. It was in the year that the king, Hanzaya, died, that I also saw the Lord upon the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Pastor, what do you mean 
when you say woke worshiper, we hear that word woke now ever more so now when we talk about Black Lives Matters and when we talk about social justice. We, we hear that word so much now, but I believe that we can be able to take that word and add worshiper on it to be able to realize that what God is looking for us in this time to redefine our walk and our relationship with him, he's looking to see are there any worshipers that are aware of my greatness? There anybody, is there anybody there that, 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 that it doesn't take much for them? They can just be able to walk in the park and, and hear the wind come through the trees and chills just take over your body because you realize that God is so strong, that God is so awesome, that God is so powerful that the wind can't even move without God giving permission to. That when you see the trees go back and forth, do you realize the greatness of God and you are just in awe? of who God is. God is looking for worshipers that are aware of his greatness. God is looking for worshipers that, yeah, when you first got saved, folks couldn't sit you down. In fact, ushers gave you your own section because you just kept up so much noise. But now that you've been saved, now that God done grace you, now that God is sanctifying you, oh my gosh, you done got a nice little car, you done got a good job now, you got a 401k, got some money saved up, amen, in the bank. Now you think you're all that well, you know, that was just when I first got saved. You know, I didn't know much. I was just growing in faith and in my walk with God. But now that I got this degree, I got, I, I mastered it. I got my master's now. So I don't think it takes all that for me to be yelling. You know, I don't want my, I don't want my colleagues. So I don't want to invite my colleagues to church and then people running around the building and jumping and shouting. I, I think I need to go somewhere where it's a little bit more quieter and just more, uh, uh, just more laid back. It doesn't take all that right now. Oh, God is a for people that, that will still worship him no matter what he has allowed you to succeed in life no matter the accomplishments that you have achieved in life God is looking for worshipers that are aware of his greatness in everything you walk in Walmart and you go to check out and just bam you about to have a praise break in line because you remember there was a time in my life where I would have to check my account before they ran the car to make sure there was money there but now by the grace of God and the faithfulness of God, I can slide my car with confidence and say, give me $20 cash back because you know it's in the bank. There was a time in your life where you feared going to the doctor because you didn't know what they were going to say. But when he came in your room late one night and touched your body, you can walk with confidence into the doctor's office and say, I am healed by the blood of the Lamb. God is looking for world worshipers. God is looking for world worshipers that, 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 that are aware of his greatness. Woo. Every time Carrie and Kenny get on my nerves, I know they're sweet little girls. I love the swim sisters with every part of me. But if I have to play with one more doll, praise the Lord. Woo. If we gotta have if we gotta have a kitchen party one more time. If I have to say no and explain why you can't put makeup on daddy one more time, I'm going to lose a little bit of hair that I don't even have. Praise the Lord. I don't know what I'm going to do. But when I think about that and they begin to get on my nerves, I say, Lord, uh, we, I, I need somebody to open up a daycare just to give me a few hours. But then the Lord brings back to my mind. Oh, don't you forget, Swims. You cried and labored for me to open up your wife's room for you to have a child. And I said, oh, 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 come on, let's go and play tea party real quick. Because it reminds me, if it had not been for God. some woke worshipers that will be aware of his greatness. 
get this. I know you don't sit up at home. Sit back down. Don't you excite me like that. You sit back down at that kitchen table and you get your cup of coffee and hold yourself real good because we have to realize this. Any moment has the opportunity to wake us up. God, say it again, Storms. Any moment has the opportunity to wake us up. Pastor, what are you saying? There is an international wake-up call that's going on right now. <laughs> Ooh, it's in the year that King Uzziah died. It was in the year that the King Uzziah died. It was in the year that this good king, because I know he has some pride issues, but, 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 but God used King Uzziah to be able to bring Judah back closer to the will of God. People are devastated. Our king, our ruler, it's gone. It's like some churches now that, that are grieving the loss of their pastor in the midst of a pandemic. Pastor, our leader, our ruler, it's gone. What are we going to do? How are we going to make it? What's the search committee going to look like? Because we can't meet in person, really. How are we going to interview the candidates for our, to be our new king? What's going to happen with us doing the interim? Who's going to be our interim leader right now? What, 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 what's, what's going to happen to us right now? It was in the year that King Uzziah died. I like what the King James Version says. I also saw the Lord. <laughs> oh God, help me today. I wish some of my old school Sunday school people was in here right now because here it is, here it is. It is in the midst of devastation. Get this, Isaiah has a right to be devastated. He has a right because the question is yet still, who's going to be our king? But right there in the midst of Isaiah having this moment, God shifts his mind and he says, I see the conditions of the plight of what's going on, but I also saw the Lord. <laughs> Everybody in Judah is about to lose their mind. Everybody in Judah is messed up and crying and don't know what to do. But Isaiah gets a revelation. He says, I see the devastation that we are in. But listen here, saints of God. I see the king of glory still sitting on his throne. I know that we're in the midst of a pandemic and don't know when it's going to end, but I too, like Isaiah, I see the Lord sitting on the throne and the shade of his glory fills the temple. Isaiah, he sees them. And because I love it, Isaiah deals with the reality of what's going on but he also gets the revelation to be able to see. Oh God. You gotta be able to see God in the midst of a tragedy. You gotta be able to see the Lord high and lifted up in the midst of devastation. He says, I, in the year of the king on Zion, I never forget when it happened. Truth be told, we ain't gonna never forget 2020. <laughs> this is one for the books, baby. We're gonna remember this. I'm gonna be in my rocking chair with my grandkids and gonna say, Papa, what happened in 2020? I'm gonna say, Give me my cup. <laughs> Let me tell you about 2020. He says, Get this. At this moment, Isaiah wakes up. <laughs> It's in this moment that Isaiah wakes up. He 
here it is, here it is, here it is. I know, I know it's crazy. And I'm not saying that God is the author of the pandemic because we realize that God is a ruler over everything. Nothing happens without his permission. But could it be that God is using this pandemic as, a, as an international wake-up call to tell us, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. He said, I know, I know you see what's going on. I know you see, I know you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it. And then 45 is going to give this second round of stimulus. He said, but I also need you to see me. Here's the thing that God is trying to get Judah to be able to realize. I know your king is gone, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords has not come off his seat. He is still sitting on the throne with all power and authority. This is a moment that wakes Isaiah and Judah up. Here it is. What does a work worshiper look like pastor. Here it is. It's right here in the text. A work worshiper is fascinated by God's greatness. <laughs> Ooh. If I was in church, I would tell you, text your neighbor, say, neighbor, stay woke. Find somebody in your house and say, hey, stop your kids real quick, but they need it anyway, and just say, hey, stay woke. A work worshiper. It's fascinated by God's greatness. Here it is. Here it is. It was in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple above it. Can you imagine with your sanctified imagination as Isaiah is sitting there, and all of a sudden he shifts from the he shifts from the tragedy that's taking place in his life, and he begins to see God high and lifted up on his throne, trying to figure out how in the heck did he get up there? He's high and lifted up on his throne and then he looks down and he says and the train of his robe fills the temple we have to understand when it talks about train when it talks about trains kings wore kings wore robes and the longer your train was the more significant you were the longer your train was you said people serve me I don't serve anybody the longer your train was it let people know that you were important that you had place of influence that you were a person of honor that you were a person of dignity it's almost in the same token that when you at a wedding you don't stand any other time until the bride comes down the aisle everybody folks that don't sit up for the scripturing of the word will sit up in a wedding and watch the bride come down the aisle and you just that's the prime moment that you wait for for those doors to pull back and for the bride to walk down the aisle and you're looking at her dress you're looking at her train and so it's in the same token that we see that we see God that, that, that Isaiah saw God he saw him high and lifted up, but his train filled the temple. So imagine right here in the sanctuary that as you once you pull up on the parking lot, you're having to drive over the train. You're having you're having to walk over. <laughs> because it shows how much honor and dignity he has in this house. How much, how much honor and value he has in this house. That, 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 that the temple is filled with his train. He saw that. Look at verse 2. He ain't done yet. He says, above it are the seraphims. Each one has six wings. With, twain, well, with, with, with two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his, his feet. And with two, they began to fly. I like, I like, I like, I like what Pastor Tony Evans says, that, 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 that you, only, 
you only see, you only see, as they talk about the seraphims, he says that you only see two wings actually working, but the other four are worshiping. And so that is to indicate that the work that you do for God is not fruitful unless you worship. That goes to indicate that God is not so much concerned about your work as he is your worship life. <laughs> that goes to show that it doesn't matter how much you practice, how much you prepare, how much you are ready to be able to do whatever it is God has called you to do. What does your worship life look like? If the seraphims understand that I have to spend more time worshiping than working, what is an excuse that we have as humans? He says... Six feet, two of them, two of them, two of them. They take their wings and they cover their face <laughs> as a sign of reverence. You're so holy. I just, you're so holy and bright. I can't stand to look at you. Two cover their feet in recognition that we bow in humble submission to you and they await their next assignment on where to go. And then two wings stay ready for God to say, Check my peeps out of 400 East Main Street. And they take off. And they go to the where they need to go. Then in verse 3, Isaiah says, baby, man, this, this, this is tripped out. Now, I got a shift in my mind from looking at what's going on right now. I see him high and lifted up, trying to figure out how he got all the way up there. He's on the throne. His train is filling the temples everywhere I go. I'm having to step over. I don't want to step on. I don't want to be dishonorable. I have to step over his train because it's all over the place. I see the seraphims that are covering their face. I mean, they're hot. They're, 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 they're burning hot. I mean, oh my goodness, they won't even look up at him. You got the other ones doing this. You got two that's ready to go. But then look at verse 3 he ain't done yet he says then one cried holy the other cried holy and one cried unto another and said holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is filled of his glory <laughs> Isaiah trying to figure out baby I'm tripping baby this is grief I'm trying to figure out how is the Lord seated up there on his throne? God takes him to verse 3 to be able to answer the question. As the seraphims are saying holy and holy one to another, it's almost in the sense of a call and a response that when we come to church, when I say praise the Lord, you say praise the Lord. When I say hallelujah, you say hallelujah. So they're saying this back and forth. They're going back and forth, back and forth. I mean, they're almost, almost trying to see who can, who, who, who can out worship and praise the other. They say holy, we say holy. They say holy again, we say holy again. And indeed, Isaiah again is trying to figure out how did he get high? And lift it up. Answers right there in verse 3. The answer's right there in verse 3. The more they said holy, the higher he went. The more he began, the more they began to say holy unto each other, the higher he began to be. Come on, his saints of God. Oh my gosh, that lets us know right there that when we do get back to corporate. 
corporate worship. The corporate worship is not a spectator sport. You got to participate in this thing. If the praise team is up here saying hallelujah, you need to say hallelujah too. When you're at home and you're, and you're saying holy, 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 then you need someone to be saying the same thing with you. It's a call and the response. It is a participation that is needed in us reverence who God is. You cannot tell me, you cannot tell me that you are a woke worshiper and you're not fascinated by his greatness. Isaiah Isaiah is fascinated by his greatness. He sees it. He sees it. He says, oh my gosh, God is so good. God is so merciful. God is so awesome. Look at this, y'all. I done seen them high and lifted up. I see these seraphims. They're talking about holy, holy, holy. I mean, they just going in. And the more they say holy, the more they cry holy, the higher he goes. Here's what I realized. We've mastered serving atmospheres while neglecting awareness. We've mastered and we ran. I'm guilty of it. Oh, we're going to have the right atmosphere. Oh, we got to have the right atmosphere. Oh, we, we got to sing this song to be able to have the right atmosphere. Oh, oh, we need this. We got to have lights in. I don't really like that stuff anyway, but I'm just using it. We got to have the lights in. We got to have a We got to have a backdrop. We got to have, we got to have all this stuff to build the right atmosphere. Here it is, thanks to God. A worship moment is not dictated by atmospheres. A, 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 an effective worship moment is created by awareness. Do you know who God is? When's the last time you were just wowed by God? When's the last time you were just overwhelmed by the greatness and the splendor of God that it caused your mouth to drop and all you can say is wow. Look at God. He is absolutely amazing. Somebody ought to be at the place that when you get to the end of the month you know what you bring in. You know what your bills are and you get to the end of the month and you still in the black don't you go and text your friend sit there and say wow God how do you do that we've mastered serving atmospheres and running and prostituting atmospheres and not causing people and teaching people to become aware of who God is pastor swims how do I become aware of who God is I'm sorry I know it's old school but it's still right you gotta get into the word of God you have to open up your word don't you dare put the responsibility on my, my, of your spiritual growth on me I play a part and you play a part as well. I know we haven't seen each other in three months, but the word is still going forth. Every Sunday morning at 10 a.m., Sunday school on the prayer line at 8.30, and Bible study at 7 on Wednesdays, and we're even throwing in some small groups. You have the opportunity to get into his word, to find out how great he is. Mastered atmospheres neglected Awareness. We, we've, we, we, we've taught worship leaders how to create atmospheres, but we have failed to teach them how to teach others about his awareness. Because here it is. Awareness births atmospheres. Woo, God. Awareness births atmospheres that go beyond the Sunday morning corporate worship experience. When 
I come into a full awareness of who God is. It helps me that when I'm at home washing dishes and I think about the goodness of God and tears running down my face and dishwater went all over the place because I just had a flashback to remember how far God done bought me. Can be able to take the awareness and create an atmosphere wherever I go. Don't you dare, don't you dare blame and say, Oh man, you know, I ain't really tapped in since March the 15th. That's your fault. That's your fault. That's your fault. You should be tapping in every day. When you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm gonna rejoice and be glad in it. Every day that you wake up with breath in your body, it's a moment for you to go in. Don't you dare wait to be in the pew. When God has been blessing you every day of your life, awareness breeds atmospheres. Don't, don't, don't you, aren't you a Bible reader? Don't you, don't you remember what Paul said that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit? That we just don't leave atmospheres and settle for them there, here to be at 400 East Main Street or your local church. I take it with me. 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 I, I take it with me to work. I don't. I know you're working from home, but from nine to five, Amen. He's there with me in my robe as I'm working, as I'm on my Zoom call. He's there with me when I'm going to the store. He's there with me when I'm walking outside. I take atmospheres wherever I go because I am aware of who. He is. Let me hurry up. I'm getting our nerves. Here it is. Not only, not only, not only, not only, not only, not only, not only is a work worshiper fascinated by God's greatness, uh, but a work worshiper is displeased with their own humanity. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh, you don't believe me. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. You don't believe me. Look at verse five. I like, I got to read from King James right here. My old, my older sense will love this. Then said I, woe is me. <laughs> For I am undone. I'm unraveling in the presence of God because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. Isaiah gets to this point. He has experienced God and seen God in a way that he's never seen him before. I told you all, his mind just shifted from the internet, from the national tragedy that the, that's going on by losing their King. So many questions and not enough answers but he says I also saw the Lord seated on his throne he becomes fascinated with God's greatness but here it is here it is here it is he gets fascinated with God's greatness but as he but as he's in the presence of God God begins to reveal to him who he really is <laughs> Ooh. thank you Holy Ghost can I tell you why some of us are afraid of worship? Can I tell you why some of us are really afraid of really, I mean, I mean, worship, worship? It's because we're nervous of what God may reveal about us to us. Wait a minute, Pastor. They didn't pass away. Wait a minute. Hold on. I'm going. I'm about to watch another church right now because you ain't talking about nothing. That ain't right. Worship's supposed to make me have goosebumps and just feel good all about myself and remind me about who great, how great I am and how wonderful I am. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm made in the likeness and the image of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all good and fine. But worship is not just about you. It's about him. And so in that time with him, he begins a face-to-face -face conversation and to begin to show you who you really are. 
And now Isaiah comes to grips with who I really am. He says, I'm undone. So I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. And not only that, he said the folks I hang around got unclean lips too. We all messed up. He comes into the awareness, not just of who God is, but he comes to the awareness of who you are there. Oh, let me tell you, that, 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 that's why you need the worship. That's why you need the, because it's in worship. It's in worship that God will begin to convict your heart and begin to share and tell you how, you know what? I, I know you thought that you was over, but I saw how you responded to that post on Facebook. It shows me that you really haven't forgiven me yet. Let me go ahead and enter this worship moment and to begin to deal with you so that you can be able to let go and forgive. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Nobody saw the sights that you were on last night. Nobody saw what you did when you had the pillow, the cover over your head, but I saw it, so I, in this worship moment, I want to deal with you and the lust that's in your heart. <laughs> he said, in this moment of worship, I, I want to deal with who you are. I've showed you your greatness. You don't have to be afraid for me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. You don't have to be afraid when I show you who you are in my presence. I still have grace, God. I still have mercy, God. I still have everything that you need. You don't have to walk in shame. You don't have to walk in gift. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I will give you my grace, but I got to show you who you really are. Isaiah says, Isaiah says, Isaiah says, uh, I'm undone. Literally, he's unraveling in the presence of God. God reveals himself in all of his greatness. And Isaiah don't know what to do with himself. He don't, he don't know what to do with himself. He's, just, he's unraveling right there. And there's nothing wrong with you being broken in the presence of God. Oh, my God. If there was ever a safe place to be broken, it's, it's safe to be broken in the presence of God. Oh, because when he shows me who I am, he will cover me with his grace. He, he'll cover me with his love. He'll cover me with his mercies. He says, I'm unraveling. And if you never get to a point in the presence of God that God does not begin to deal with you. Every time I get up to this, to this sacred desk, every time I open up this Bible, I'm overwhelmed with the grace and mercies of God. Him knowing everything that I've done since I've been saved, since I've been pastoring, and he still anoints me to preach his word. I'm overwhelmed with this grace. And the lavishness of his mercy and his love to me to anoint me once again an imperfect vessel to, to preach his perfect gospel Isaiah comes undone and he's displeased he doesn't like what he sees he doesn't like what he sees he says, I'm a man, I'm undone. He said, I'm a man of unclean lips. And he says, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But then, <laughs> thank you, Holy Ghost. But then, but then, but then, but then, he says, but my eyes have seen the splendor of God. 
Listen, you should be shouting at home. You don't realize what I just said. He said, me, unclean lips, messed up, jacked up, have just seen the greatness. I've seen him high and lifted up. I've seen his train fill the temple. I see the smoke that represents the glory in the house. And he's allowed me to see it. He's allowed me. Messed up. Sinful. Nasty old me. To see the king, the Lord. Of host. Still good news. Still good news. Still good news. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. He said, wait, look at verse 8. He says, also, no, I'm sorry. Look at verse 6. <laughs> this is so good. He said, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, <coughs> which had taken... <coughs> with the tongs, which had been taken with the tongs from the altar. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now, oh God, here's a shouting point, your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. God, if we were all in this building right now, we would go cuckoo for Cocoa Pops right there. He says, he says, okay, I know I've shown you who you really are in my presence. I, 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 I've revealed to you who you are, your character, all of that good stuff. I've shown you who you are, and it's to the point that you don't like what you see. He says, but get this, I know you don't like what you see. You're displeased with your humanity, but what he does, I told you, he had six, they had the seraphims, they had six wings, six wings, two in reverence to him, two in humility to him and then two that was ready to go and work when he said to go. He sends the two out. They take the tongue, they take the coals off the altar and touch his lips purifying him, sanctifying him and cleansing him from all unrighteousness. Tells him. Makes the announcement. Latter part of verse 7. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. You can't show, you can't teach, you can't demonstrate to anybody about what it is to be guilt-free and to be forgiven until you have experienced it yourself. Once you've been forgiven, you can be able to share with people what forgiveness looks like and how to be able to forgive. Once your guilt has been removed, then you can be able to remove the guilt of staying from someone else as well. Look at verse 8. He says, he says, then I heard the Lord asking, who shall I send as a message to his people? Who will go for us? Isaiah says, here I am. Send me. Not only, not only, not only, I'm almost done right here. Not only, not only, not only, not only is a work worshiper fascinated by God's greatness. Not only is a work worshiper displeased with their own humanity, but here it is. Here's the last thing right here. A work worshiper is drawn by God's capability. 
Man, he just seen God. It's right there in the text. I'm not saying nothing different. It's right there in the text. He just seen God of all and all of His greatness. He just seen God in all of His greatness. He just seen God in all of His splendor and all of that good stuff. And it gets to the end. He's realized. He realized who he really is. How messed up he is. How jacked up he is. God sends that seraphim to come and to clean his lips to be able to remove the guilt and the shame and the stain. Uh, uh, to be able to remove all of that to forgive him of his sins. And then and then and then and then. God speaks. He hasn't spoken any other time. He speaks then and he says, hey, I got some, I got an assignment and I need someone to be able to go and look without there any hesitation, without any apprehension. Isaiah says, send me. I'll go. Isaiah realized, hold up, wait a minute. My mind shifts from seeing a national tragedy to seeing the Lord. I see him high and lifted up. His smoke fills the temple. His train fills the temple. I realize how messed up and how jacked up I am. And then he issues a help wanted sign. Isaiah might be looking around trying to everybody is. Isaiah said, send me, send me. You done forgiven me. You've shown me who you are. You know everything about me. He says, send me, I will go. It is something that when you have experienced the greatness of God it, and God shows you who you are and God accepts you for who you are and forgives you that you are drawn not to your capability, but you're drawn to God's capability because you begin to realize, you begin to realize that the awareness of God's greatness confirms our calling. The awareness of God and the greatness of God. I don't have to look for someone to be able to sanction what God has already called me to be. No, 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 no. When I look at his greatness, when I look at his greatness and become aware of his greatness, that confirms the call that a God has in my life. So how, Pastor, do I apply being a woke worshiper to my life? It's real simple but yet a challenge at the same time. Let us become more aware of his presence in our daily lives. I know you was waiting for something real deep. Let us become more aware of his presence in our everyday lives. When I wake up in the morning, when I run my errands, when I go to work, when I interact with people, let me become aware that before I'm ready to lash out, God, God, let me become aware. When I'm ready to go off, Lord, help me to become aware. And as he helps us become aware, he, 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 he teaches and shows us how to be able to respond. How to react. When I'm ready to go off on that text message, let me become aware. Help me delete and retype. All right. Lord, help us to become more aware of your presence. 
I want to challenge you right where you are and it's not just issuing a challenge for you there that's watching, but I'm going to issue to the eight of the people that's here in the building with me. I want you right now where you are to become aware of God. Pastor, how do I do that? Just think. 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 Allow your mind to 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 think. Think about how God has been keeping you these past few months. Think about the new grace and new mercy that you experience every morning. I want you to think about how God has loved you when you felt unloved. I want you to think about how God forgave you of that one sin. You know what that one sin is. That you keep going back. You ask God for forgiveness. You go through the sinner's prayer. You go through all of it. But you go right back to it. I want you to be reminded and become aware of that moment. How God has forgiven you time and time again over the same thing. I like what Pastor Michael Todd says. He, he defines worship as love expressed. But right where you are right now, and again, I'm challenging those right here. I know you got jobs to do. I know you got social media. I know you got the soundboard and stuff to do. But I need you right where you are to drop what you are doing and become aware of who God is in worship. Yes. He does not just want your work. He wants your worship. He does not just want your dutiness. He wants your worship. Thank you, God. He does not just want your money. He wants your worship. He wants your worship. He wants you to become aware of who he is. And in response of who he is, and, and in response of your awareness of who he is, I worship, I lift up my hands. I bow down in submission. On right where you are, worship, worship, worship. Let us become more aware yes, yes. of your presence. That song says that I don't know all the words. Yes. Help me out, praise Let us become aware of your presence. Let us become yeah. more aware of your presence. Let us, let us, let us experience the glory of your goodness. Come on, we're gonna say it again. Let us become. Let us be. Saying it, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your Come on, let us become, let us become. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience. Come on, let us 
be a sweet fragrance out to his nostrils. Oh, come on, worship, 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 worship.
Oh, how I wish you were in this atmosphere right now. Thank you, God. But I don't have to wish because you're woke. And what we feel here is what you're feeling right where you are. What we're experiencing, you're experiencing right where you are. And in this time of worship, in this moment of worship, someone, someone that's watching, your heart has been pricked. Your heart has been pricked. And you are looking, searching for something. And let me tell you, look no farther because what you need, you have just met right now. And his name is Jesus, the son of the living God. He'll be your friend. He'll be your savior. He'll be your redeemer. And all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. You're like Isaiah. You're like Isaiah. You become, you unravel in the presence of God, not knowing what to do. And he's forgiven you. He's forgiven you. Yes, you. I know you thought that you were unforgivable, but he forgives all sins. And all you have to do it's what Sister Greta is singing right now. Just say yes. All you have to do is just say yes. If that's you, if you watch, you say, Pastor, I want to be saved. Put it in the comment section. Pastor, I want to be saved. 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 If you desire prayer, email your prayer request to prayer team at hopewellmb.org. Email your prayer request to prayer team at hopewellmb.org. We'll pray with you. We'll pray for you. Yeah.